We have been working this Easter season uh, through a series that concludes today about writing your own headlines. So we've been walking through the uh, chapter 24, the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and it has been one day so far, and we're actually going to pick up at the very end of that one day, and, and then it'll go beyond that. Uh, but it's a, a chapter in which uh, the disciples experience and exhibit a lot of real things that I think you and I go through in our own lives. Uh, they hear the resurrection story, and they hear it as idle tales. They can't believe that that could possibly be true. They don't understand why that would have any meaning. They're walking on their way. They have different expectations and hopes of what Jesus wanted to accomplish. Isn't he here just to save Israel, overthrow our oppressors? And so they encounter Jesus on the road. They encounter Jesus in closed doors. And yet they still found it to be a ghost story, something less than tangible, less than physical. Uh, they couldn't imagine how that would be real for them. And so it's in the midst of this that we turn to our story today from Luke 24, where it says that Jesus said to those disciples, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see I am sending upon you what my Father has promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands he blessed them, and while he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. The word of the Lord. I always am interested in what on earth does it mean to follow Christ? Because I don't know about you, but I encountered a lot of faith, a lot of Christianity that was very focused on, did you like punch your ticket? Uh, to use the traveling metaphor, you know, did you get to, do you have your ticket to the tourist destination of the afterlife? You know, as long as I believe the right thing, said the right thing, prayed the right thing, and then it's just kind of waiting out time till I get to go on that great journey. And so for a lot of people that wonder like, well, what on earth does it mean to be a Christian? What on earth does it mean to follow Christ? And in today's story, we get the end of the Gospel of Luke. And if you don't know, uh, the author of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So we've got a bit of a mid-season finale going on in this story. It's got to conclude, because what if Luke doesn't write another book? Right? You can't guarantee. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. You have plans to write another book. But he's like, I need to write something to conclude this book. And we'll see in Acts, he's going to pick up in some similar themes and keep going. But if you had one last thing to tell people who've been watching and reading and listening throughout this story, what would you finish with? What lasting impression do you want people to leave this story with? And that's what we get in this text. And I think there's a lot of interesting and empowering and beautiful things happening in the story, which we have some responsibility to live up to. And so in this text... 
uh, it says that Jesus said to them the words that he, he said, hey, these words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. We're going to get a lot of notes about Scripture in this story, but this is a shorthand for the, uh, the loose term of what is Scripture to them at this time. We are so used to having bound Bibles that has all the books included for us, and sometimes we get confused, wait, because some other denominations might have a a little bit of a different set of books included, or maybe slightly different arrangements depending on your Christian tradition. But for them, they lived in a time with scrolls. And you write on a big scroll, and you add another scroll, and you get a collection of scrolls, and you call, hey, God spoke through these stories. And it's not quite said of like, well, what is Scripture, what's not Scripture? It's a little bit being argued about, debated. And so we get the shorthand here of everything that was written in the law of Moses. Traditionally, you'd say Torah, you know, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and the prophets, whether that's you know, people like Elijah and Elisha, or Isaiah, Jeremiah, these prophetic figures, and also the Psalms, which is, seems like also shorthand. Maybe this is the wisdom kind of literature, things like the Psalms, the Proverbs, and it's kind of trying to say, okay, everything that we have heard from God through all these variety of collections of texts, they resonate with what I've been telling you, what I've been talking to you about. There's, there's a chord that's in harmony together. And so when you hear what has happened in Scripture, you hear also what I have said to you. Um, but what's interesting for us is we kind of rely heavily on this thing. And there's good reason. It is a faithful witness. It provides us inspiration. It's where God meets us. But it's interesting that we're reading the Gospel of Luke, and he's not going to write that story for probably another 30 years after this event. And if Christians just sat around waiting for a Bible to use as a tool, a Bible to use to witness to people, uh, they would have been sitting around for a while. The church wouldn't have been expanding, wouldn't have been growing. And so there's a vibrancy of faith going on in their lives because there's a, a vibrancy around what is God saying in the text that we've already heard. Uh, there's an expectancy about what God might do. They don't have the next season of the story yet. They're aware of that. And so Jesus is going to point to the things they do have. Okay, the scriptures that you already have, listen how they reflect who I am and what I've been doing. And what I think that we sometimes, you know, we, we categorize people, we assume the disciples always get things right, and it's weird. We both have two minds about this. We know the disciples get things wrong all the time, and yet at other points of our lives we think about, oh yeah, they got it perfect. And we hold those two things in our, in our heads at the same time. But Jesus is resurrected, he shows up to them, and he has to still explain scripture to them. He's been walking with them, and they've been hearing him explain Scripture. They've heard him tell parables, and they still need him to talk to them. Because that it says that he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. That means that they had some limitations in their head, some limitations in their beliefs, something that kept them from being able to read those texts and understanding them rightly. And that's another reminder to us that we can have a text in front of us, and we can still be closed off. We can still not 
be able to read it rightly. And so we have to have, whether that's God and the story through Jesus here, but God has to open our minds to be able to read this in the way that we can understand it, in the way that it'll speak vibrantly to our lives today. And so many of you have probably had the experience of feeling like you read a text and you're like, God, where are you today? Because I have no idea what to do with this story. What on earth, what are you saying here? And, you know, for myself, uh, you know, I spent a lot of years in school just getting to study a lot of these stories. And part of the vibrancy that continues is always still wrestling with God of, how do I understand this text? What are you doing here? And some of us comfort ourselves by only reading the easy stories. We start reading some of the, the more peculiar ones, the little bit more obscure things, and then you'll be reminded very quickly that we need our, our minds opened up to be able to hear what God is doing in those stories. And so the disciples have Jesus there, which really helps to having your mind opened up. And he opens their minds and he tells them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And pause there. This story that they're pointing to says, okay, you need to understand what's happened. There is a, the message here is about repenting, which I feel like that word kind of gets a bad rap in today's world. Uh, it feels very wrapped up into religiosity that people like to push away against in today's world. But if you start to just reflect on the pains that we go through in society, the pains we go through in our own family lives, our own stories, where our actions cause harm, it hurts people that we care about, it hurts people that we don't notice, that if the world is going to change, there has to be repentance. Uh, as much as you might not like religiosity or however you feel about that, it's just like we have to go about things in a different way. And the story is, hey, we aren't going to live by the same way of life. We're going to reorient ourselves. We're going to have our minds open to be able to possibly live a different way. And so those who felt despair living out towards hope, those who have been harmed, not returning that harm on other people, but leaving the cycle of violence behind. Those who felt disconnected, living into uh, trusting people again. Like repentance is a beautiful thing because we all know what it feels like to feel the pains of this world. And so this, this message is, is, hey, there's repentance and we're going to change and in the midst of that change, you're not going to be continually punished, continually shamed for all of your life. We all know we've done things we shouldn't have done. And we want to turn from those things. And God is not a God who wants to continually remind you that you are, are less than, that you are a failure, that you are unlovable. But the story is repent because God is already forgiving. The God when Jesus is on the cross, say, Lord, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. That people need to hear that no matter what you've done, you don't face an angry God, you face a loving God who wants to forgive. 
And that that's a beautiful message and one that shouldn't be held in tight and not shared, but one that everyone needs to hear. Unless somebody has found someone who has lived the perfect life, this is a beautiful story of good news. No matter what you've done, a forgiving, loving God stands waiting for you. Come home. And this message is not meant to be held in just individually. It's not meant to be held in just in Jerusalem. Hey, start in Jerusalem, begin there, proclaim his name through all nations. Don't sit on this good news. Don't sit on this story. But go, you are the witnesses. And I don't know if we can fully get ourselves in there. I think try to get your brain into the spot. You're a disciple. There's no bound Bible yet. There's no gospel of Luke yet. Jesus turning to to the disciples and saying, hey, you are the witnesses of all of this. You're the witnesses of forgiveness. Go share it. That might mean you have some enemies, that you have to demonstrate what it means to forgive. What is it to love all nations? It was not that long ago in this text in Luke 24 that on the way to Emmaus, those disciples said, we are so sad because Jesus was going to redeem Israel. Buy us out from those Romans, those awful people who are oppressing us, who put us up on crosses. And Jesus shows up, opens up Scripture to them and says, take to all nations, even the ones you don't like, a message of turning from everything that is broken and wrong and sinful and finding that God is loving and forgiving. And that's the message for all people. And so there's such power in this story that each of you are a part of this tradition. You get to be the witnesses. You're the person in the story that, all right, we're at the mid-season finale. If I can't write this story anymore, you have the task. Go share it. Go multiply the good news. Go tell everyone about your experience, what you have seen, what you haven't seen because you've heard it from tradition that you've had your mind open to. And I think about the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Um, He tells us a little bit why he wrote this story, and it might be fruitful for us to reflect on as we conclude this story. Since many have undertaken, he says, to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things which you have been instructed. The beauty of this story is the whole Gospel of Luke is written either to a person named Theophilus, or it's a stand-in of God-lover, anyone who loves God, saying, you've already heard about who God is. You've already witnessed in the community who God is. But I want to write you an orderly account so that you might have this firm foundation that you might know more fully. And so... The beauty of the Gospel of Luke is it's a story that says, 
hey, we think that it matters to have this firm foundation. We're going to give you an orderly account to help you understand things. But there is power in a community who lives as witnesses and who shares that news verbally, through their life, through their actions, not just in written story. And so Jesus charges them with being witnesses. Go tell the story. And he says, I am sending you upon what, uh, upon what my Father has promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Uh, that's our tease. If you come back next week, our sermon series will be about being empowered. And we're going to walk through uh, some stories from the book of Acts. But Jesus does not just leave us to go be witnesses as people without power. He promises power to go on that journey. And then Jesus leads them out to Bethany. He lifts up his hands. He blesses them. And while he blessed them, this might seem strange, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. You might not have experienced that moment uh, as positively as we do from this vantage point. You know, if Jesus disappeared from you, and you've been longing to see him. They were sad at the beginning of this chapter. But part of empowering those disciples is, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to let you be the witnesses. And so each of them bear the responsibility of being the resurrected Jesus story to each person that they encounter. You don't get to lean on Jesus fully in this story anymore. You don't get to let him just tell all of the stories, him say everything. Jesus is letting all of the disciples live into being witnesses. And so he was carried up into heaven, and they responded with a few things. They worshiped him. They returned with great joy to Jerusalem. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. And that's a pretty great way to live life. If you're looking for some basic instructions of like, what is it to follow Christ? You know, to be a witness, worshiping God, living your life with great joy, and continually blessing God in this assembly in the temple. Now, we did this, uh, when we got into this series, we talked about, you write your own headlines. Easter happens but it's up to us as witnesses to say, what is the good news? For some of us, that good news is simply the ticket about something that will happen in the future. And people wonder, well, what does that have to do with life now? It doesn't look great right now. What's the good news right now? But for us, if we're trying to live, how do I write stories right now about what good news looks like? Will people see it in my behavior? Because I think joy is visible. You don't have to talk to somebody to know this is a joyful person. The person who just changes the room by their, their presence. You don't tend to think that the person whose room is filled with joy, that like they're bringing bad news along with them. They're not bringing the room down. A lot of people who live with that great joy do not have stories that are just great things have happened to them. Many times people have learned joy through pain have chosen joy, and they bring that joy with them to lift others up. 
And so I wonder for us, how is it that we can live out good news? How do we be witnesses who have good, head, good news headlines? Um, because there is the temptation that that is good news headlines is because we don't think about anything hard. We don't think about anything challenging. Let's just ignore it. Blinders, earmuffs. But living in a world where things like the shooting in Buffalo yesterday happened, what is it to proclaim good news in the midst of all of our brokenness? For those of you who don't know, um, a shooter uh, murdered at least 11 people yesterday in a racially motivated attack. Uh, I believe his rifle had a racial slur written onto it. He had, you know, the live streaming the event, sharing what was good news for him in a twisted way with literature about, uh, you know, the typical racism tropes, but feeling like people are replacing you and you're going to go out and cause harm because somehow that's supposed to help somebody. I don't know. Evil doesn't make sense. And sometimes people long for heaven because they just want things to make sense, but there's no sense to it. God said there'll be a place where there are no more tears, where you'll be comforted, where you'll be loved. But that doesn't necessarily mean that all of the evil and the pain has a logical thing that you'll ever hear an answer to and understand. But what is it in a world where there's so much brokenness, where people don't want good for all? I don't want forgiveness for all nations. I want it just for my own group. What is it to bring good news into the brokenness of this world? One of the things I want to encourage you to do is to pay attention to what sources of information come into your life, how it changes your perception of the world around you. Um, that shooter had apparently been planning this kind of thing for several years. And there's a long parasitic thing that happens in our lives where it might seem not too bad. Uh, but someone who maybe makes fun of a different kind of person, someone who talks down on thinks a little bit less than, and you get down this wormhole where you start being afraid of people, that the other person isn't just different from me, but less than me, uh, is a danger to me, a danger towards my way of life, whatever that, that trajectory just keeps eating at you and eating at your soul. Whatever, whether that's people, news sources, podcasts, radios, whatever it is, if you find yourself loving less, being more fearful, more angry, investigate those sources of your life because those are not powers of good. And each of us has that responsibility because if you want to live as a witness to good news, you need to be tapped into God, tapped into uh, how God can open up the scripture text to you. Spend time around others who are trying to follow God, who might share their stories that might grow you. 
But be also careful about forces for, for evil, forces for harm, forces for greed, forces for lust, forces for all sorts of things that will tear our souls apart. And may we all, in the midst of that, no longer be afraid of talking about what repentance is, because we definitely have stuff individually, in our family systems, in our workplaces, in our church communities, in our neighborhoods, our states, our nations, our world, that can't be the same. It can't go on that way anymore. So may we be people who say, God, open my mind because I can't keep living this way. Help me see it in the text. Help me see it in people around me. Help me see this world differently because I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to be a part of a community that lives by this other way of life. I want to live by your kingdom. And we pray that each week we say, God, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this story, Luke finishes the story by saying, you are going to be the witnesses. We can't rely on just this book sitting on a table somewhere, just dropping it off, hoping that will change the world on its own. God's way will ultimately win, whether we get to take part in it or not. But we have the power and the beautiful opportunity to bring joy and good news to our spot right now. Not in the whatever year future, but right now. Go worship God. Go to, the, go to Jerusalem. Be joyful. Bless God. And that's our invitation. To live out that joy and that beauty and that life. And so, if you remember anything at all from this Easter season, I want it just to be, please remember that the good news is something that you have the opportunity to just share and to live every single day. And I hope that each of you are the person that when they walk in the room, people are so excited because the joy level changed, because the hopefulness changed, and that like these disciples, we won't just hold it in. So it's not just in this room for an hour. It's not just in this building uh, throughout the week with hygiene product pantry, with, with the cafe. That we continue to bring that into our daily lives, into our homes, our workplaces, our schools. Because we live in a world that needs that good news. That needs that hope. And so when you see news like yesterday... I hope that we see that and don't feel defeated and you don't feel powerless, but that you, know, you don't know who you encounter who seeing joy and love and forgiveness might change their trajectory, whose lives you might be a part of God's salvation just by being a good witness. So may we all feel renewed to that calling. If you've never turned to God, that forgiveness, that loving God is always waiting there to embrace you. It doesn't matter what awful things or what great things, whatever lies in your past, God loves you the same. And for each of us, can we remember that story and share it 
because it matters and the world needs to hear it. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come before you. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for the times where we have been silent when you have called us to speak. We ask your forgiveness when we've remained idle at times where you've asked us to move. Lord, help us to have our minds opened up, our ears, our eyes, our hands and our feet. Lord, let our whole selves be open to you. May we find your life more abundantly today. For those who have been on this journey for a long time, Lord, let us find strength. Let us find renewal. And Lord, let us not hold those things in tightly, but offer those up to those around us. Lord, we ask that your peace might rule on this earth in a world with stories of wars, of violence. May your healing power reign. Lord, in the, there are those who are in need today, those who aren't sure how to pay rent, who aren't sure how to get the next meal. Lord, we ask that your, your good news and joy might live abundantly in our lives so that the whole world might know what your kingdom looks like. May we learn to share and to give. And Lord, I ask that you might give us words and wisdom, that you might just reveal to us what somebody might need to hear today. Lord, I thank you for those who have spoken into my life. Lord, may I also speak faithfully into others. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.